Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello, I'm Peter King, and welcome to the MMQB Podcast with Peter King, where I take you inside the minds of the biggest influencers in the NFL. This week, a special Thanksgiving podcast. I'm going to send you around the National Football League, where you can hear coaches and players, and one media guy, talk about why this Thanksgiving is special to them. And we're also going to have Seth Wickersham, of ESPN.com, who, along with Don Van Natta, his partner as an investigative reporter at ESPN, has done another stellar story about what exactly is going on in the conflict between Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell at the top of the National Football League. First, we're going to start with a special Thanksgiving story with Los Angeles Chargers coach Anthony Lynn. Now, many of you don't know, but Anthony Lynn, who has a game on Thursday at the Dallas Cowboys, had one of the seminal moments of his life happen 12 years ago when he was a coach with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I won't spoil it, but suffice it to say, one of the things that Anthony Lynn is thankful for is life. Here is Anthony Lynn. Well, to me, you know, Thanksgiving is, is one of those times when you uh, stop and reflect on you know, your life and, and the people that are in your life and the things that you have and, and the things that, you know, that you're really thankful for. Uh, so, so many times in this profession, you can get caught up in everyday life and, you know, a day will go by, you know, just like that. And, and you know, six, seven months go by, you know, you're like, where did the time go? But, uh, you know, I just I always get a chance to just step back and just, give some people a phone call and just you know thank them for being in my life or helping me along the way get to where I am in life right now. You know, so many times, you know, we we pray to God about our immediate needs uh, spiritually, physically, and, and sometimes, you know, we take for granted the things that we already have in our life and things that, you know, we need to be thankful for. You know, if you ask me what are one of the things, probably the number one thing in my life that I'm thankful for is uh my life you know back in 2005 i was with the dallas cowboys in training camp in the last day of camp uh todd haley uh wide receiver coach on the team and i we go out for you know a pizza and a, and a pop and and walking back to the vehicle walking across the street i got hit by a drunk driver you know he was going uh 55 to 60 miles an hour he was three times the legal limit drunk and uh he hit me, and they said I flew 45, 50 feet in the air across the street, landed on a Volkswagen, totaled the car that I landed on. Thank God the car was there. If I hit the concrete, maybe I wouldn't be here today. But uh, somehow, you know, survived that. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys organization, you know, uh, and Jerry Jones, I never forget how they stepped up and uh, helped me and my family, you know, make that time as uh, as easy and convenient as possible for us by, you know, bringing food to the house and, and just working with me every day and, and getting back to work and, and doing my job. But uh, so, you know, Jerry, you always have a soft spot in my heart because that was a you know big moment in my life and he was there for me, him and the Cowboys organization, you know, and, and here we go. I'm going back to Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. Now as the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers to play the Dallas Cowboys, uh, sort of my hometown. I grew up, you know, 30 minutes north of Dallas. And so I have a lot of 
friends and family there and and like I said I'm playing the Cowboys organization so that's that's kind of cool you know to, to have an opportunity to go back and do that you know and, and that's something that I'm very thankful for thankful for as well uh, just how this all went down with the Cowboys and now how things just kind of go in full circle you know and so I just have a lot to be thankful for but I'm, I'm definitely thankful for you know the opportunities that I have right now in life and 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 if I don't mention my mom, you know, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing this just at all because my mother, she's been there for me the whole time. She's been that example for me. She, you know, she taught me to grow up and uh, and be the man that I am today. And and her faith, when my faith wasn't strong, I leaned on her faith. And she's just been a great role model and influence in my life. So uh, I'm sure there's a lot more I could be thankful for. But right now, you know, I think that's plenty. This is the MMQB podcast. I'll be back with more Thanksgiving thoughts from around the National Football League in a few moments. But first, my conversation with Seth Wickersham of ESPN.com. As you know, if you're a fan of the National Football League, Seth Wickersham and Don Van Natta have had a series of stories that describe the conflict between the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, the compensation committee trying to figure out what Goodell's next salary should be and next contract should be, and with the burr in their saddle, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. So let's get to the conversation with Wickersham, and we'll dive into that. And on the other side, I'll be back with more Thanksgiving stories. Back on the MMQB podcast with Peter King, happy to be joined by Seth Wickersham of ESPN.com. And and Seth, before we start on the Molotov cocktails that you and your partner, Don Van Natta, have thrown into the operations of the NFL, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thanks a lot, Peter. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. It's um, it's a real pleasure to be on here. You know, you and I have known each other a long time, and I I cherish our friendship, and I admire you as a journalist, mm. and um, I love the podcast, and it's great to be on. Seth, give me an idea of what it takes to get to this level of reporting on a difficult league to burrow into. I mean, I I know I've covered this for a long time. Topics like these are most often kept behind tightly sealed closed doors. Anything around Roger Goodell is usually very, very difficult uh, to report on. But tell me a little bit about you, how you got the bug to be an investigative reporter covering the NFL and basically how you got to this story. Yeah, it is difficult reporting. There's no question about that. And I think that's something I'm really drawn to. Um, And, you know, I like the stakes being high. I think that, you know, look, I've known you since I was, you know, barely a college graduate back in 2000. I think we met at a Rams-Giants game at the Meadowlands, in which this is kind of an embarrassing story, but you know, I just graduated from college. I was very eager to, you know, learn from people. And um, I think that our seats in the press box were one down from each other. And the person in between us was one of my colleagues. And I think that I switched the tags to sit next to you to uh, introduce myself, which I think got on her nerves a little bit. But, um, you know, maybe it wasn't the, uh, the smartest move on my part. But what are you going to do? And, you know, I think that I've always just wanted to get better and to learn. And I think that um, a fear of mine is the fear of having plateaued and feel like you're telling the same story over and over again. And so, you know, I think that around 2015 or so, you know, I had done some stories that I was really proud of about the NFL, like my story on Bill Walsh's book or the story on Jim Harbaugh that I did, the story on, Scott McLuhan, you know, those, those were kind of some stories that got a lot of attention. And I think that then Deflategate happened. And Don and I worked together on the Spygate to Deflategate story. And when he was hired in 2012, we tried to work together immediately on a story. It just, we couldn't really find the right story to work together. And, you know, we hire someone of that caliber, a legend in this business. You know, I want to work with someone like that and learn how he does his thing and his skill set. And so we did the Spygate to Deflategate story together, which was a, you know, a very revealing story about how power works in the NFL. And, you know, it was an, nobody could understand, like, why Tom Brady was being prosecuted to this extent for 
you know, deflated footballs, maybe deflating footballs. And so we worked together on that one. And that was just, you know, a big story, but it also just opened up a lot of a window into, you know, how things work at the NFL on the higher highest levels. But then, you know, just the way that things happen in the league, there were more stories like that. Um, the Los Angeles relocation, which we wrote about together, was another example of, you know, all this great action happening in the league meetings. Um, the Vegas relocation, another example of, you know, all this stuff that's going on behind closed doors that we wanted to try to illuminate for readers. And so those stories we kind of created a beat out of. And then when the stuff happened this year, Zeke, the anthem, Jerry Jones challenging Roger Goodell, in a weird way, we were kind of set up to tap into these stories in a deep and meaningful way. And, you know, that's what we've essentially tried to do. And so the reporting is very difficult, but it's also something that we've been kind of developing for a couple of years. And so, you know, we can get people on the phone or see people a lot quicker. It, it's created an interesting dynamic for me because, you know, there's plenty of times at league meetings where I don't know if it's good for me to be there because nobody that I talk to, get drinks with, get dinner with a lot wants to be seen with me there because people are so curious about who sources might be. And so it's kind of funny because there's plenty of times when people that I know very, very well walk right by me at league meetings without even looking me in the face or um, stop and talk to someone else and then introduce themselves to me uh, under the guys that we had never met. And so it's kind of an interesting moment right now and um, it's amusing in that sense. Your opening scene of the latest story by you and and Don Van Natta, I think, is is remarkable. Um, for those who have not read the story at ESPN.com, uh, you you recount the scene when Roger Goodell tells Jerry Jones this past August that Ezekiel Elliott, his star running back, is going to be suspended for six games, and obviously uh, Jones is shocked by this, and you recount Jones telling Goodell and sort of invoking the reaction of Patriots owner Robert Kraft uh, and, and, and basically referring to the fact that he didn't think that Kraft necessarily really stood up uh, after Tom Brady got suspended for four games. But, but you quote Jerry Jones as saying to Goodell on this conference call, I'm going to come after you with everything I have. If you think Bob Kraft came after you hard, Bob Kraft is a pussy compared to what I'm going to do. Now, that is one great scene. So let me ask you, did anybody challenge the veracity of that story? And and did it stun you when you first heard that? No, nobody did challenge the veracity of that reaction. And, you know, did it stun me when I heard it? Uh, no, it didn't. And, you know, I... um. I was actually excited when I heard it because I felt like we were capturing something very real. And I always try to do that in my stories. I want to get to the essence of something, um, whether it's a profile of somebody, whether it's writing about why Richard Sherman was dangled for a trade. Um, no matter what it is, I want to get to the essence of something. And that moment where Jerry Jones said that on the conference call spoke to him and his essence in a very interesting and real way because – he was angry, and you rarely get to see how people react when they're in situations that they can't control, and that was one of them. And he's not used to not being in control of situations. And so, you know, we went through the process of, of getting more sources to confirm it, and, you know, nobody um, ever challenged it, and, you know, we felt um, it was a bulletproof anecdote, and, you know, I, I was really happy about it more than I was stunned because – Again, you know, we're trying to show readers as close to how real the NFL can be. And, um, you know, whether it's on the field or in the executive suites or in the league office, that's what you're trying to do. And that was a moment that was a, a real moment. And so I was really pleased about that. Seth, it seems to me Jerry Jones wants to do two things. He wants to slow down the locomotive on these Roger Goodell contract talks and it also seems to me he wants to get him out of office. 
You think he can succeed in either one of these? Well, I think he's already been successful. He has already slowed down the Goodell talks. Remember in August, um, Sports Business Journal reported that it was a done deal. And it's not. And that's because of Jerry Jones. And I think that, you know, time is not Roger's friend with this. If he wants to be extended for several more years, I don't think that this being drawn out is good for him. And, you know, we'll see if Jerry ends up being successful, if indeed what he wants is Roger gone. And I think that there are credible reports that he wants Roger gone. I think that there's another school of thought that, um, you know, that's not quite what he wants. But, you know, I think that reading between the lines, Jerry wants something big to happen. And we'll see what happens because he's already been successful in slowing it down. And, um, you know, we'll see whether the owners who want to extend Goodell try to speed it up as a result. It's going to be fascinating to play out. It's going to be, you know, one of the great things to watch the rest of the season. The league says your peers, Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen, reported a very early list of requests for Roger Goodell in his talks with his compensation committee, including that $45 million or $49 million, sorry, salary demand and the lifetime use of, of a private plane. Um, and they claim this this list of demands is currently not on the table. What's your take on the league's pushback of the Schefter-Mortensen story? Yeah, I mean, Adam and Mort, look, those are two fantastic reporters. And when they report on this stuff, it's right. And, you know, remember in September, they were the first ones to report that Jerry Jones was impeding the progress on Roger's contract. And that got significant pushback. You know, that got the entire fake news tagged to it. And it was right. And it is proven to be (laughs) so salient. And so when they report about what Roger counterproposal, you know, what Roger's counterproposal was in August, um, they have those details. They have proof of what he wanted. And so, um, you know, when they report something on these contract talks, I think that you can take it to the bank. You know, to me, it seems very reasonable to wait until after this football season to decide whether to re-up Goodell through 2024. I mean, if you do the contract now, you're basically saying to all the owners and to the public, all the players, Roger Goodell is the commissioner of the NFL for the next seven years. So I guess my question would be, do you think that Jerry Jones has enough owners on his side to have any chance to push this into the offseason? Well, I think that's the key word, reasonable. Is it reasonable to wait? It'll be interesting to see that um, because that's what Jerry wants. He wants to slow this thing down and we'll see who's on his side. I mean, I think that owners right now, everyone's always wondering, like, how many owners does Jerry have? I think that the idea of slowing it down and having a more detailed process is gaining traction. Like, even if owners don't like the messenger, they are kind of coming around to his message, which is that, look, this is a fascinating moment in the NFL, and there are significant headwinds that are coming to light. Has Roger performed great at his job? Is he solving problems? Um, Is he the right person to navigate the league through an uncertain time coming forward? Because there's going to be a lot of things coming up in the next couple years that, you know, it's going to be upon the league office to try to contend with. Has Roger hired the right people? You know, I would contend that Jerry thinks no in a lot of cases and that the people that he's hired don't solve problems and in fact create more of them. And so I think that, look, Jerry's got four or five owners with him hard. And I think there's 10 to 12 of them who are kind of disengaged. You know, those are the types that fall asleep at league meetings and just kind of want this thing done, want Roger extended and want this thing out of the headlines. And then the rest of them are ones who agree with Jerry that they're not that keen on how Roger has performed, but it's not because they agree with Jerry's reasons, but because they think that Jerry's had too much power over the past couple of years. 
And Roger has empowered Jerry too much, especially in the Los Angeles relocation and the Vegas relocation. You know, there's owners who are embarrassed by the situation in L.A., and there's owners who are really upset that a great market like Oakland doesn't have an NFL team coming, you know, in the next couple of years. And they're leaving that market. And so those owners, I think, don't know what to do because they wouldn't mind replacing Roger, but there is no successor, which is both a failure on Roger's part and it's one of his greatest sources of leverage. You know, we reported that an ownership source reached out to Adam Silver to see if he had any gauge of being NFL commissioner. He said no. Owners have looked at the IOC to see if there's someone with international experience because that's where they have to grow the game, and the NBA is way ahead of the NFL in that regard. And, you know, there wasn't anyone there. There was even a, an owner who floated the idea of Paul Tagliabue coming back for a year until they found the ideal commissioner. You know, that's a fanciful idea. And so, you know, at the end, Roger is the person for the foreseeable future, I think, because even if the owners agree that maybe there should be a different commissioner and they're not happy with Roger's performance, they do not want Jerry Jones to install his ideal candidate there. I don't think they want Jerry to have more power. Seth, I'll close by by basically asking you about how this sort of civil war in the NFL is going to affect a few key people around the league. I, I'm going to ask you about four different people. Just give me your reaction. Number one, Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft. That's an interesting, you know, thing to think about, about how this might impact him. I think that there are two ways. I think that one, I think that his influence has waned the past couple years. Um, and it's, and, and Jerry's has grown. And I think that that imbalance might come back a little bit into Kraft's favor. Um, you know, we had that quote, I'm paraphrasing here, but we had that quote from an owner in the in the story talking about how switching commissioners is like switching cell phones, right? Does my music transfer? Does my photos, you know, my, will my contacts sync up? And at the end of the day, it's easier to not switch cell phone companies. And I think that Robert Kraft and other people like him, you know, they know what they have with Roger. They know where their power stands. And when you get a new commissioner, you don't know for sure if you're going to have that level of access and that power. And so it'll be interesting to see if Kraft becomes more powerful. I think another element with Kraft is that, you know, it's no secret in the NFL that he does not like Jeff Pash, the NFL's general counsel. And Jeff Pash has had a target on his back for a long time, fair or not. And in the past couple of years, Jeff Pash has angered Kraft with Deflategate, Mara with Josh Brown, and now Jerry Jones with Ezekiel Elliott. And it makes me wonder that even if Roger is extended, if Jeff Pash ends up being, you know, moved to a different role or let go or replaced um, to sort of pacify a lot of these owners' anger. Number two, Lisa Friel, one of the chief investigators and a big hire for Roger Goodell at the time of the Ray Rice disaster that the league was going through. Yeah, it's not good for Lisa Friel. Um, you know, look, when she, before she was hired, she met with all the owners and she told them how difficult her job was going to be. Remember, it was in the wake of Ray Rice. Roger felt like he had to, um, you know, live up to this idea that he was developing as the NFL being this kind of cultural institution by opening its own ancillary law enforcement wing. And Jerry Jones, more than anybody, thought that was a really bad idea because why are we getting into the law enforcement business when we don't have the power that law enforcement officials have? And Lisa Friel ended up heading up that department, and she warned the owners that of how difficult it was going to be, how difficult it would be get to, for people to cooperate without subpoena power. She knew, and still it has just been really hard. And, you know, I think that She's somebody, you know, we mentioned in our story, I mean, you know, she complains a lot about her job because it is difficult and she's a big target on her back. And she's sort of enacting a mandate that Roger has to investigate players, whether they've been charged with crimes or not. And I think that it's just been a huge mess for the NFL doing this. And, 
you know, you look at what happened with Jameis Winston this week. If the NFL is going to investigate that. I mean, that is it, – it just seems like we're heading for another one there. So I don't know long-term if this is all a good sign for Lisa Friel. Number three, Jerry Jones. Yeah, Jerry Jones, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think he'll either – this will either be a defining moment and a summation of his power – or it won't be. And if it isn't, what does he do? Does he essentially just try to make Roger Goodell's life hell, wanting him out, forcing him to step down? Um, that's what's going to be fascinating to, pl- to, to watch play out because it's just clear that Jerry Jones is not backing down on this. And so it's going to come down to like how long Jerry Jones feels like that he can fight this. And Jerry Jones is a fighter. And you know, you've known Jerry for a long time. I've known Jerry for a long time. He is very persuasive. He has his, his faults and, you know, his, his eccentricities, but he is very persuasive. And, again, I think that time is not on Roger Goodell, Goodell's side with this one. Number four, Roger Goodell. And in terms of Goodell, yeah. I mean, this will have a big impact on him because it will be – the impact will be whether he continues as commissioner and under what terms and how much support he has in the end with a new contract. And, you know, I think that one of the frustrations with Goodell's tenureship that I think um, a lot of owners have is that because he has fought so many fights that he can't turn to people for favors. He can't, he has a, you know, I think his his relationship with the union has improved this fall. But, you know, you go back and you look at, um, you know, the way it's been. I mean, they're in constant litigation. And the union sees the litigation as not only situations in player discipline where they think the player was treated unfairly, but they see it as a chance to weaken Roger. And Roger doesn't have people near him that he can go to. I think there's a lot of distrust on the higher levels of his executive cabinet. And I feel like that he doesn't have somebody, you know, he needs someone like Ernie Adams for Bill Belichick. You know, that Ernie Adams is like the perfect example of why best friends were invented because he's there. He had, he does not want the head coaching job. He will do anything he possibly can to help Bill Belichick be successful. And that's his role. And I think I think Adele needs someone like that. Seth, fantastic reporting job. Really good. Congrats to you and and Don uh, on this story and on this series of stories. And I really hope the journalism students, high school, college, uh, and and even young in their professional careers are studying what you guys are doing. Well, Peter, listen, I really appreciate that. That's, you know, that's a, I mean this sincerely, it's it's a terrific compliment to get from you and, um, you know, like I said, we've known each other a long time and, um, I value our, our friendship and I value your opinions on these things. And, uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're listening to the MMQB podcast. They say in life, there are no guarantees. They say there's no sure thing. Well, I'm here to tell you there might just be one exception. In 1924, Husky started making things for people who make things. And they did it with common sense. That meant adding function, never frills, and making tools that stood the test of time. 93 years later, Husky is still making quality-crafted, durable tools. And Husky stands behind their hand tools for life, so they gave their hand tools a lifetime warranty. Like the Husky Ratchet, with a 100-position ratcheting design and a 10% longer handle than standard ratchets. That lets you do what other ratchets just can't. Or the virtually unbreakable Husky flashlight, with the ability to withstand a 30-foot drop and work in up to one meter of water submersion. Both guaranteed for a lifetime, but built so you won't need it. Now that's a pretty sure thing. And to Husky, that's common sense. Husky, common sense tools since 1924, with hand tools guaranteed for a lifetime found only at the Home Depot. And now let's go around the National Football League and hear from some people who you know on what Thanksgiving is going to mean to them this year. 
We'll start with Washington quarterback Kirk Cousins. Hey, this is Kirk Cousins of the Washington Redskins. Um, and the reason I'm thankful this year is uh, because of the birth of my first son, uh, Cooper. Uh, he was born in late September, and um, we're just so fortunate that he was born healthy. Um, he's got a great disposition about him. He's growing quickly. I feel so fortunate to be a dad and to have that experience in my life, and um, can't wait for the years ahead. Uh, my wife and I feel truly blessed to have Cooper and to have the opportunity to raise him, and um, we look forward to that uh, privilege in the years ahead. Hopefully, uh, my goal is I can play for a long time in the NFL so, such that he can remember coming to games and coming to practices and being a part of it. Um, so that's my dream for him and for me, and uh, we'll see if we can do it. But very grateful for uh, for uh, the six years in the NFL that I've had and now having a son and, uh, and all the uh, dreams ahead still to be accomplished. Thanks. And now one of the best signings in free agency this year the former Bengal and current Ram, Andrew Whitworth. This is Andrew Whitworth, left tackle for the Los Angeles Rams. Here's why I'm thankful for this year. In March, I signed with the Los Angeles Rams and moved my entire family from Cincinnati to Los Angeles. We picked up everything we had built for 11 years and moved it to LA in three weeks. My kids started a new school, we found a new place to live, and I started a new job. Everything for us was new. To say we were nervous would be an understatement. We were embarking on a, on a journey and had no idea what the outcome would be. Choosing to leave our comfort zone in Cincinnati and embrace a new challenge and a new life in a completely new place. Willing to experience growth and opportunities that were ahead of us. While the move from Cincinnati was scary and unexpected, we have been shown over and over in so many ways over the past eight months, this is exactly where we were supposed to be as a family. Entering a new locker room with new teammates, coaches, and staff, I have been able to learn so much over the past year. And obviously for myself, to leave a place in Cincinnati where I had so many friendships and so many great teammates over the years, and I'd been a captain for the majority of my career. To walk into a new locker room and not know anyone and have to prove as the new guy on the block who I was and what I stood for. I found a new energy in the face of that challenge. And I was honored this past September to be named the captain of our football team before the season started. That meant so much to me to earn my team's respect. My wife and four kids are happy and settled. We have been overwhelmed by the generosity and kindness of not only people within the Rams organization, but also in our community here in Westlake. This Thanksgiving, I am thankful for my wife, my kids, my family, unexpected change, and especially my new teammates and friends. And now, Minnesota coach Mike Zimmer. I'm Mike Zimmer, head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, and I'm going to tell you a few reasons why I'm thankful for this Thanksgiving season. I'm thankful for the players that I have that I'm able to work with. I'm thankful for the coaches, the Vikings organization, and the fans. Yeah, I used to always watch uh, Thanksgiving with, with my, with my uh, dad, uh, watch Thanksgiving football, and then um, I was with the Cowboys for 13 years. We, we always played on Thanksgiving. It was a great day. It was great for the fans, great for the, uh, for the players. So it'll be an exciting time uh, to be able to play the Lions, uh, another big division game, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Well, I'm extremely thankful to be able to continue what I love to do. Uh, you know, the, the, besides my family, the number one thing in my life is to coach the players, be around the team, try to get them better. And so it's an exciting time for me. Um, luckily, I've been able to stay healthy this, so far this season, knock on wood, and, uh, uh, and hopefully the players will too. Now a guy who was one of the ESPN layoffs, but has found a really interesting, new, and rewarding purpose in his life, Ed Werder. This is Ed Werder, formerly of ESPN. This is the first Thanksgiving in two decades I'll be covering the Cowboys holiday game for someone else. And that's Westwood One National Radio, and that's a good place to start my list of things for which I'm most thankful. I've spent a lot of time reflecting on my career and my life in general. I'm thankful I'm married for 35 years to the best person I've ever known, my wife Jill. I'm thankful we have grown children in Christy and Brian who have proven to be adults we can take great pride in because they represent our values. I'm thankful we've had this time to spend in Colorado with our family there, especially our two-year-old grandson Henry, who I've tried to make a Twitter star. 
I'm grateful my peers voted me winner of the Dick McCann Award and provided an incredible weekend in Canton where my career will be forever acknowledged. As important as my career is, as much as I miss being at the games every week, interacting with players and coaches, chronicling the history made on the field, I know these moments in Henry's life are irreplaceable and priceless. And lastly, I'm thankful for all the friends I've made in this business over the years who have helped me and to those fans who have supported us in another challenging year. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. You're listening to the MMQB Podcast. State Farm knows that for football fans, your car and your home are more than just stuff. They're some of your most valuable possessions. The things you've worked hard for and have made a lifetime of memories with. Whether it's the truck that gets you to every tailgate or the place you watch your favorite team with your favorite people. But life can be a tough opponent. That's why when it comes to finding the right home and auto insurance, you need a strong defense. A seasoned pro like State Farm. They understand it's more than just a car or a house. So why not give it the protection it deserves? It's just one more way State Farm is here to help life go right. See how they can help you by talking to a State Farm agent today. And now Denver Broncos cornerback Chris Harris Jr. Hey, it's Chris Harris Jr., cornerback of the Denver Broncos, and I'm very thankful for my family, my two daughters, uh, my wife. Uh, they've been great supportive uh, cast for me, and uh, uh, when things aren't going good, they're always there to uh, lift me up, and I'm just blessed to have them in my life. Oh, man, we uh, go to Denver Rescue Home, um, give out turkeys. Uh, we're going there to, uh, and I'm also with Chris Harris Junior Foundation, I'm able to uh, give out dinners, 25 dinners for my number this year. And uh, just give out to the homeless, man, people that really uh, aren't fortunate enough to, to celebrate Thanksgiving and uh, have that great meal, try to give them uh, something to remember. Oh, man, I'm thankful for my Super Bowl, man, my teammates, man, who won that with me. Uh, being able to uh, also stay healthy, man, like uh, going to my seventh year, is definitely, I'm definitely thankful to, uh, uh, to continue to play at a high level. Here's two-time cancer survivor Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Hi, Bruce Arians here from the Arizona Cardinals. Every year at our Thanksgiving table, we gather hands and, oh, thank God for what we're thankful for. Uh... I am especially thankful for our freedom. Thank you so much for the men and women of our armed services who protect us daily, policemen, firemen, all the first responders that keep us safe. I'm extremely thankful to be cancer-free for the second time, and I'm most thankful to have a healthy, happy grandson, Asher Freeman, who I love dearly. Happy Thanksgiving. And now a former Cardinal, Calais Campbell. Now, Campbell is a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year after 11 weeks, has played great for Saxonville. This is Calais Campbell of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm thankful for a lot of things. Uh, Number one, I'm thankful to be in Jacksonville, 70 degree weather, pretty much year round. Uh, The winter's very, very nice. Uh, I'm thankful for being on a team that is, uh, you know, realizing their potential and uh, dominating week in and week out. That feels pretty good right now. Uh, I'm thankful for a defense coordinator that's uh, that's just rushed four at a time, so we can go out there and, uh, and lead the lead in sacks and become Saxonville. Uh, also, that puts us in position to you know to be the best versions of ourselves. I'm thankful for our secondary; <laughs> they're incredible. Uh, make my job really easy. You know, uh, I look pretty good out there sometimes because uh, those guys uh, just handle business, taking away first reads and making a quarterback hold it for a long time. So I'm really thankful for that. I'm thankful for our linebackers. You know, those guys are, uh, are you know they do a good job taking away the first. First read on the tight ends and the running backs as well. Cover guys, but big time hitters. Fill the gaps. You know, make me look good in the run game too. Uh, I'm really thankful for the D line. Uh, you know, around me, Yon, uh, Ballin on the edge, Dante, uh, Marcel, uh, Malik, uh, Abe. Uh, you go down the line. You know, uh, of just talented guys on the defense that just makes plays. And uh, you know, we all play together. And uh, we become uh, you know, the best defense in the league. Uh, I'm thankful for our coaching staff as a whole. That just uh, allows us to push ourselves and be the best we can be. Uh, Coach Marone, you know, for uh, you know, believing in me, giving me opportunity. Uh, Coach Coughlin, I'm thankful for my family who keeps me in a stressful environment, 
keeps me, uh, you know, uh, humble. You know, definitely when I, I start getting a little big headed, they uh, they know how to, you know, pop that bubble real quick and uh, and get me back, you know, understanding my roots and what got me here. So definitely thankful for them. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm just thankful that uh, you know, things are going well and that God gave me the ability to play a game of love and I get to play a child's game for a living. A lot of fun. And now Philadelphia wide receiver. Tory Smith. What's going on? This is Tory Smith from the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm thankful this year for a lot of things. Um, for the health of my family, I had two beautiful boys and my wife. Um, it's been a long year, especially uh, my little one turned a year and it's a rough pregnancy, so it's a blessing every time I look at him. Thankful for another opportunity to continue my career. Um, here in Philadelphia, it's been a great time. We've been winning, so it's always fun. I'm thankful for that. Thankful for the way the city's embraced me. I'm thankful for my teammates and the great men and leaders they are in the community here, from Carson Wentz to Malcolm Jenkins to Chris Long. The list goes on. It's just a great place to be for me. And uh, I'm also thankful for just my family in general. It's been you know, a, a, lot, a long time to, and a lot of tough situations we've been in as a family. But to be here all together on this holiday season is a blessing. And, I'm thankful for our soldiers um, overseas fighting their tails off and those who are here at home for defending our freedoms and putting their lives on the line for us. They don't hear that enough, but we thank them. I personally thank them and appreciate everything they're doing for us. So you may remember last year I had a special Thanksgiving podcast with Sam Weich, the former NFL coach, uh, who two months before our podcast Uh, got a heart transplant. And the day that we recorded our podcast, afterwards we went out and rode bicycles. Sam Weich rode 19 miles that day on his bike. So Sam uh, this year is really starting to get more and more people into the organ donation uh, business by signing cards and putting them in your wallet. So Let's hear from Sam White. This is Sam White. I used to coach in the NFL, head coach of the Bengals and the Buccaneers, and lucky enough to be the first guy to work with Joe Montana in San Francisco with the 49ers. In September uh, of uh, 2016, I had entered the hospital in Charlotte of the Sanger Heart and Vascular Institute, Carolina's Medical Center, uh, with a heart problem. I had a an episode in my little town of South Carolina, Pickens, South Carolina, and my cardiologist sent me immediately to the Charlotte facility. The doctors came back and said the heart was worse than they had thought, that I had two to five days to live unless they found a heart, unless a heart became available. But the heart had to be my size, and I'm 6'4 and about 220 at the time, and it had to be my blood type, A positive. At the end of the fifth day, which was a Friday, the doctors came in and said, we need to send you home and let hospice take care of you. And I pleaded with them to let's stay the weekend, which we did on a Monday at lunchtime. The doctor came in and said, it's time to send you home and and let you die in your own bed. I assured them I didn't care what bed I died in, but I uh, did want to stay in that hospital and take my chances that uh, another heart might become available. At 5 o'clock, it did. The doctor came in, said this is a long shot, but a heart has been found, and uh, is we've got a doctor on the way up there to get it. On the way up there, told me going north, that's right in the middle of Pittsburgh Steeler territory, two hours north by plane and from Charlotte. So I very, very well have the heart of a Pittsburgh Steeler fan that waved that terrible towel in my face more than once. We had some great rivalries up there. But the hospital got the heart and started the surgery around 2.30 that Tuesday, September the 13th. And uh, by 6.30, I had a new heart. The doctor said that the left side of my heart had not beat for over an hour and until the heart was installed, and uh, that the LVAD pump had really kept me alive. The right side of my heart was barely beeping, beating. Uh, the um, surgery was over around 6.30. Uh, 
a week or so later, I was discharged from the hospital. Less than a month later, I rode 15 miles on my bicycle on a, tra- on a paved trail between the little towns of Pickens and Easley, South Carolina. Uh, I had a very strong heart. I had a group of surgeons that did a terrific job and a life that uh, was not supposed to be there, mine, for more than two to five days, lasted eight days and now has lasted eight days, one year, and two months. Um, My mission in life is to get more people to be donors. This person that I don't know, that I may never meet, the donor family, it's up to their call. But somebody that I don't know had the foresight to become a donor, an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Uh, that could save upon the passing of any person that is a donor up to eight lives could enhance up to 75 more lives with tissue and skin and cornea and ligaments and tendons and so forth so i'm one of the lucky ones and my new mission in life is to make sure that there are more people signed up so that there are more people with good fortune and surgeons that are ready to uh, extend their lives God has a hand on my shoulder, that was for sure. You're listening to the MMQB Podcast. So, sort of a unique podcast this week. I wanted to do something about Thanksgiving this week. And uh, the reason is, I guess, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in northern Connecticut, and Thanksgiving was a really big day in our family. Because the way our family worked was, my father... um, was an iron worker, and every day, almost every morning when we got up, he was gone. Um, in the state of Connecticut, there was one iron workers union, uh, so you could be assigned to go do a job anywhere in the state. I remember he had a two-year period where he had about an hour and 20-minute drive each way to a job way down in Groton, Connecticut. And, uh, you know, I, so he was always good most of the time he was gone in the morning and then whenever he got home at night he'd have dinner and he was just cooked uh so uh most of the time you, you know the five days during the week we wouldn't see all that much of our father um but always on the weekend he was there doing things and and so any holiday was huge around our house and i always thought that thanksgiving was particularly fun because we would be able to just have a great meal with extended family around. And at some point during the day, you know, we always used to have the the football games on in the house. And at some point during the day, what we would, uh, what we would always end up doing is going outside and playing football with whoever was there and who wanted to play. So it was just a really, really fun day. I've had, I have tremendous memories of it. And I wanted to just give people the opportunity to hear from some people around the NFL who I think were grateful and are grateful for their, for their lives and people who I've gotten to know pretty well over the last few years. It's particularly interesting to listen to Anthony Lynn. And the reason is that I think Anthony Lynn is one of those guys, you can hear it in his voice. His voice drips with gratitude, but not, oh my God, I don't belong. He definitely thinks he belongs, but he was skeptical about whether he'd ever have a chance to have this job uh, and to get a head coaching job in the NFL. I'm so glad when I see people who are very smart who command respect when they walk in the room. I'm so glad when they have an opportunity uh, to get a job like this. I'm so glad for a guy like Andrew Whitworth uh, of the Los Angeles Rams, who is just a really good human being. And to listen to him and how grateful he is, I remember seeing him in training camp and he goes, man, I can't believe I live in LA. And and uh, because he was a, he's a Louisiana kid, And uh, he ended up basically being with the Bengals and thinking he would play there his whole life. And I just think he's so grateful, not just for the football part of this, but you can hear it in his voice. He's happy that his family is getting a chance um, to experience a new life 
uh, in Southern California that they never would have had the chance to experience normally had he stayed in Cincinnati. And, you know, I'm really, really happy for, for Ed Werder. I just think it's the coolest thing that a guy like Ed Werder now is getting to, getting to spend more time getting to know a grandson that, uh, you know, who lived a time zone away and hundreds of miles away. Uh, but because he's not working uh, very much this fall, he gets a chance to spend this time with his grandson. And, and all of us in this business, um, especially during the fall, your, your time isn't your own. And so even though I think Ed Werder got slapped in the face, um, you know, with the ESPN whacking uh, or, or whatever you'd want to call it, the layoff um, last spring, I think he now realizes that this isn't so bad. I'm getting paid and I get to spend all this time with uh, with my grandson in Colorado. So anyway, and, and, and all the rest of the people who, who contributed to this, uh, Mike Zimmer and and Chris Harris Jr., Bruce Arians, and and just the slew of people who took time in the last few days to basically say, hey, here's what I'm grateful for, here's what I'm thankful for this year. So I want to wish everybody out there a very happy Thanksgiving, and um, I hope that you can make some memories this year as good as the memories that I've been able to make through my first 60 years on this planet. Thanks to my guests, Seth Wickersham of ESPN.com and Anthony Lynn, Andrew Whitworth, and I think about half the NFL with their Thanksgiving wishes. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to the other great episodes in the MMQB series, such as my conversations with Adam Schefter, Tom Brady, and Roger Goodell. You can find these on the MMQB.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. You can also hear the MMQB podcast with Peter King on Sirius XM Radio every Saturday morning at 7 Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Thanks to the fine folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsors, Home Depot and State Farm. Please support them the way they support this podcast. And I'll see you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.